You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JSC has opened its doors for the final day of a trading week, so it's time for the opening. This morning, I'm speaking to someone who I haven't spoken to for, well, actually since lockdown or quarantine. It's Petri Ridlinghouse from Herenia Capital Advisors in Johannesburg. How's it been for you, Petri? Uh, good morning. And um, uh, it's been interesting. It's been busy, believe it or not. It's actually been... Um, it's actually one of the busiest periods of my life, and I think I'm, for something I'm very grateful uh, for, obviously. But, um, you know, it's funny is that a lot of people adapted very quickly to this work-from-home thing, and that's, yes. you know, there's no more time between meetings and things like that. So it's actually been a very productive time, um, although I won't lie, the cabin fever is starting to get to me a little bit. Um, we've had a really long period of sort of being at home, and uh, now over the last few weeks, you know, we've had – uh, hospitals in South Africa prepare and the COVID wards being empty for weeks and weeks and weeks and everybody talking about, you know, we locked down unnecessarily. And if you start asking around now, hospitals all throughout Johannesburg are packed, at least the COVID wards are. Mm. So only now is this thing really starting to spread a little bit. So that, um, I don't know, starts raising questions. Do we go back to level five at some point? Um, you know, this. I think that I'm starting to accept the fact that you know, I'm not leaving my house for the next at least three months, right? Mm. Um, so it is a bit frustrating at this stage. But, I mean, you get used to it, I suppose. What are the, what are the, so Stockholm Syndrome. Yes, exactly right. The markets certainly haven't been in lockdown. They've come out um, with all guns blazing. It's all because of stimulus. It's all because of well, there's various things. We saw some amazing jobs numbers from the United States of America yesterday. Really, really good numbers. 4.8 million people up until mid-June back in employment unfortunately some of those i believe next month in four weeks time will be unemployed again because of certain states closing down florida for example so it's up and down and i saw a chat from goldman sachs this morning on the television and he talked about you know high frequency noisy data and that's what we're getting do you think that the second half mm. of this year will be high frequency and noisy when it comes to market performance give me your insight please on this quiet day on the jse so I think there's basically three different scenarios um, that can play out at this stage, right? And the first is that, um, you know, this current sort of reawakening of the economy that we're seeing at the moment continues. Uh, and we probably see, continue, we probably continue to see market data that, or, you know, economic data that, that beats. Um, this will be coupled with sort of finding a vaccine close to the end of the year, um, and uh, uh, maybe the sort of the first quarter of next year, uh, which will obviously be very um, bullish for markets, right? Markets are generally forward-looking. So even though the fact that it's going to take years to to vaccinate everyone, 7 billion people, but, um, you know, the fact that a vaccine is found will be very, very positive. Uh, and we see people sort of very strictly adhering to the um, very, you know, in a very disciplined way, strict uh, sticking to the social distancing norms and stuff. And, a good example of that is sort of Asian countries, New Zealand, uh, South Korea, where people are generally very disciplined. Japan is included in there. Uh, everybody wears their masks. Everybody social distances. Um, and you see sort of the virus really coming under control. And the economy goes back to maybe not 100%, but sort of back to a 90% economy within the next 12 months, right? Yes. Um, that is certainly a scenario that can play out in some parts of Asia um, and uh, uh, sort of the, the Australia slash New Zealand area, um, but maybe not the scenario that's going to happen in, in uh, sort of 
particularly Western world, uh, the United States, as an example. Um, United States, we probably see um, like a second wave. There's obviously been quite a bit of um, talk around, you know, the second wave is not as scary and blah, blah, blah. People aren't dying. But we forget that the, the, the data around deaths of COVID and infections of COVID is about a two-week delay. So we've seen record high numbers of infections uh, over the last couple of days or over the last week on a daily basis. And in another two or so weeks, that'll probably start translating into record high numbers of daily deaths, which is a very grim uh, way of looking at it. But um, that could probably lead to then a second shutdown. We're still already starting to see that type of thing happening. Bars are closed in Florida again. Apple's yes. reclosing a bunch of stores. Um, so there's a there's a high probability that they go back into like a um, into like a hard lockdown situation, and we see a repeat of what we saw in the second quarter, right? Mm. Um, where there's almost no economic activity, and this is now where there's a bit of a disparity because you're going to have Eastern countries uh, coping relatively well with it and getting back to business, while Western countries um, are not, right? Um, and in that case, yes, then we have this high frequency, very noisy data and probably a little bit of market weakness as people realize that, you know, this uh, could be a much longer term uh, problem. And we probably only really see uh, a full recovery from this, quote unquote, uh, sort of 2022, 2023. Right. The third scenario is is one where we have this rolling sort of reinfectious, sporadic reinfections over time. Uh, and also one where we don't necessarily get a vaccine within the next 12 months, where it maybe takes uh, another year or two uh, before we get a vaccine. And in that scenario, uh, we have, um, you know, prolonged economic damage where you probably look at sort of a lost decade type thing where, um, I mean, it's probably a bit less likely than the other two, but it's not completely impossible. Um where, you know, countries, particularly places like U.S. and, and, and uh, poorer countries, um, you know, South America, Africa, really, really struggle to contain the thing due to a number of different socio uh, reasons, you know, some of which is just an ill-disciplined uh, populace. So um, people who don't want to follow social distancing, uh, people who think it's a hoax, uh, there's no vaccine, um, and you have these sort of continuous waves every three to six months that you know, a whole bunch of infections come and you have to do measures to stop it and social distance and lockdown and then open up again and more infections. And that kind of wave stays with us for a number of years. And then you have a scenario where you have a very long-term economic depression, if you will. Um, so I don't, I don't actually foresee the third scenario really taking a grip anywhere. Um, I think in the Eastern countries, we probably see a scenario one where we have a 90% economy within the next 12 months. And the, the most likely scenario for the U.S., I think, is the scenario two one where we have, um, you know, we re-lock we, we re down and we have um, at least another sort of, uh, you know, three to six months of, of very little economic activity. Um, and it takes, you know, two or three years to recover from that. So, mm. like you say, it's high frequency data. So things get a little bit better. Everybody gets very excited, very bullish. Markets go up. And then, well you know, surprise, surprise, half the country shuts down again, right? And what the impact of that's going to be on the equity prices, I don't know. I mean, the Fed will keep printing money. Um, and uh, how much longer that's going to be um, able to support to support markets and a asset prices, I don't know. Because what they're doing, in essence, is destroying the free market, right? Like, um, markets are not driven by supply and demand and forward-looking uh, outlooks on what 
the economy is going to be like and, and what companies' earnings are going to be. It's literally driven by there's too much money. We need to buy something. So that's a bit concerning. But yeah, I don't know. It's going to be. It's well, going look, to be you've come wild, up with we, you've come up with some interesting scenarios now. But the markets are all seeing and all knowing, uh, and they are great disseminators of information. At the moment, the markets look like this. Let me give you the markets this morning. Uh, the dollar rand is sixteen ninety three. The British pound twenty one oh nine against the mighty rand, or the currently mighty rand anyway. The euro rand is nineteen oh three. The euro dollar is one twelve thirty five. It's obviously in lockdown today because it's the July the fourth uh, holiday tomorrow, so they're taking today off. Dow Jones last night didn't do too badly. It was up a third of a percent, was much higher uh, at one stage. Uh, the S&P 500, so technically quite a bad performance, I thought. S&P was up half a percent yesterday. The Nasdaq was up 0.5%. Uh, in the Far East this morning, I've got the Nikkei Dow in Tokyo up two thirds of a percent. Shanghai doing well up two percent. The Hang Seng up three quarters of a percent, despite the political problems that are ongoing there. And in Australia, the All Share in Sydney up around about a third of a percent. On the commodities markets, is an interesting one. It looks very overbought, but on the other hand, it, it, it's bubbling under, and I think dips should be bought. So that's not a recommendation. That's just my personal view. The gold price is seventeen seventy six, which is unchanged. The platinum price is a, a virtually flat, uh, as is the palladium price. Uh, Brent crude oil. Let me quickly get the live one on that. Brent crude is down one point two percent at forty two dollars sixty two, and uh, West Texas Intermediate is down one and a third percent or 54 cents a barrel to 40 dollars and 11 cents there's nothing on the stock exchange news service today of any note uh, Petri, because of it being such a, a quiet day um but what are you seeing any particular shares that are doing anything again on this very quiet day <laughs> um, nothing that's really shooting out the lights what is a bit concerning is that uh, quite a few of the financials are, are under pressure um and we've been seeing, uh, you know, some weakness in the in the retailers through with uh, the Fashini Group. And this is some numbers that came out earlier this week um, with banks basically really starting to struggle with defaults and, and um, you know, sort of an acceleration of, of people not being able to pay debt. Um, and I think that that's probably, you know, evidence of the, uh, the, the economic damage that was done by the, by the lockdown. Um, the question is whether or not, you know, that is finished. Um, but what's interesting to see is how, you know, that is kind of playing out in the, in the bank sector, but commodities are doing relatively well um, com- comparatively to the, to the rest of them. And they have been over the last couple of weeks, at least uh, they were earlier this morning. I see quite a few things are pulling back now, even the, even the, the overall index. Um, just to touch on, on the S&P 500 yesterday. So I've been relatively bearish. Um, you know, we obviously had the COVID crash, if you want to call it, then a nice little bounce at range, broke out the range. I started thinking that, you know, the market is due a pullback uh, and it's been trading in a range. So the thinking was like, if it breaks above 3170, that would be indicative of, well, you know, obviously I'm wrong and the market continues to rally higher. Yesterday's session went, touched the top of the range, broke up through it for a, for a little bit and then managed to, you know, turn around and close inside the range again. So that uh feels like you know this sort of range or resistance level is still intact and until we break that there's no real reason for us to be overly optimistic about markets and that i think starting to play out a bit um in our local market as we actually just see broad-based uh weakness it's only really you know once again uh big um dual listed and international companies that are and you know the heavyweights in the index that are keeping the index in the in the 
green territory at this stage, up around a quarter of a percent. But if you look at sort of the smaller, more locally focused businesses, um, you know, they're all in the red today. Okay, let's have a look at um, on my 15-minute delayed screen what the uh, top five major movers are to the upside and the downside. Well, I'll give you three of the top five anyway. The other ones need not detain us. I've got uh, Naspers uh, up 1.5%. I've got Process up 1.3%. I've got Discam up 2.25%. On the downside, Hammerson down 2.2%. Netcare down 2%. Uh, Sappy is a 2% loser, and so is Barlow World. Anything else outside of those ones that have caught your eye this morning, apart from those financials that you spoke about? I think what's interesting is that the golds are down. Anglo Gold down 2.1 percent. That's been tr- that's been trading really well over the last well, sort of last week. It traded really well. Um, Goldfields also down 1.9 percent. That actually broke out of a nice little sort of flag formation. Yeah. Um, and had a very very strong run. Um, and I think that's mostly on the back of the stronger rand, uh, which is a bit surprising. So precious metals. Something that we we'd noticed over the last couple of weeks is that sentiment within the precious metals. Um, well, on two things, the S and P 500. Uh, gold and platinum, uh, you know, those sort of precious metals and, and major equity index, sentiment on those had reached very, very, very bullish, almost extreme bullish. Um, and it's interesting to see how that is cooling off a little bit now, at least uh, in the platinum or at least in the precious metals uh, sort of sphere of the world. Um, so that's, I think, taking the wind out of the sails for for you know, quite a bit of the index as well as the gold miners pair back. I would have expected that gold remains strong uh, because gold itself had broken a range that it had been in for some time. Uh, and it seems as though even though that range had broken out, there wasn't a major sort of explosion and run. It's still above the range sort of extremes or the range highs. So, you know, from a technical trading perspective, you're still targeting $1,870, $1,870 an ounce, but mm. um, it hasn't happened quite as fast as what I would have expected it to, um, which is a bit a bit disappointing. Okay, give us the indices after what, exactly one hour of trading on the JSE on this quiet Friday, if you would, Petri, the indices that you follow. All right, so spot markets and not futures markets, the top 40 index up one third of a percent or 30 basis points, so three-tenths of 1%. It's not yes. quite one-third. Resource 20 index down around one-third of a percent. Industrial 25 up 85 basis points, or so almost nine-tenths of 1%. Financial 15 index down uh, 0.2% or one-fifth. Gold mining shedding 1.4%. Platinum mining down two-thirds. Um, and then general retailers index um, coming off a little bit as well. Sorry, I lied to you. It is up um, a quarter of a percent. Just to touch on that also, ShopRite yes. has done a fantastic job at scaling this um, 60-60 delivery service, actually. It's amazing. I think they're probably going to dominate in this environment. Nice point. It's going to be a quiet day. It's a day for a bit of a lunch, I think, Petri. So enjoy enjoy that if you do take me up on that uh, offer as Petri Riedlinghase from Herenia Capital Advisors in Johannesburg. And that was the opening. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.